We are in a Bible study on Romans. We'll be in chapter 11. I titled this whole series of lessons, Back to the Basics. It's kind of a, a reference to those pro sports teams that have uh, spring training. And they just learn, relearn the basics and apply those. And so that's kind of what we hopefully have been doing in the book of Romans. And I'll just read a verse, sometimes two or three verses, four or five. And we'll talk about those. Hopefully you have your Bible with you or your phone with your Bible in it. So Romans 11, 1. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. That's what Paul said. Paul likes those kinds of questions. Have you noticed that? He asks a lot of questions that are certainly not, or he likes to ask questions and answer himself. Paul is asking a question that makes sense if you have read the first 10 chapters of Romans. He, uh, it really makes sense because since Israel has rejected the gospel, and that's what we talked about last week, Israel rejecting the gospel, you know, what, is, what does God do with that? Is he going to just cast them away and cast them aside? And, and the good news for Israel is that the answer is well, certainly not. He's not going to cast them away, but even deeper than that, the good news for us is that God never gives up on his children. And we're his children as well. Israel's faith is not settled. There is a possibility and a de definite plan of God to restore Israel. They're his people. God has a, a plan that in the end times that he will restore Israel as a nation, as his people. He didn't permanently cast them away. Has God rejected his people? It's certainly, certainly not. He's not. Whether you look at his people as us, because we're his people, or his people as the Israelites, the answer is the same. Uh, let's look at that second half of verse 1. I didn't even read a whole verse. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. So what is Paul doing here? He's giving us evidence that God has not given up on Israel, or at least not all of Israel, that there is a remnant, there is some people that are Israelites that God has not given up on, that God is still using, and that, of course, is Paul. That's Paul himself. He's saying, hey, I'm an example that God hasn't given up on all of the Jews. And especially, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't given up on those who have embraced the faith, the gospel. He hasn't given up on any of them, but in particular, he's using now those who, what we would call in our day, Messianic Jews. Those who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he has come, that he uh, was their Messiah. So uh, God hasn't rejected Israel. The rejection is... If anything, it's partial and it's temporary. God's remained faithful to Israel and especially faithful to those who have been faithful to him. 
Israel's unbelief and their unfaithfulness has gotten them into some problems. How many knows when we're unfaithful to the Lord that it get us into some issues and some problems uh, in our life? And so, but the good news for Israel is that at some point, we don't know when that is, but I'm saying very soon, after the rapture of the church and the end time plan of God, the outpouring of God's wrath during that time, God will begin to once again deal with Israel. He'll be faithful to them. He is faithful to them, but uh, they will return to him and they'll experience God's salvation as a nation and as an ethnic group. So let's read verses 2 through 5. And I've already said the key word that's in this uh, passage, or at least the key thought, is that principle of a remnant. How many knows that God doesn't always deal and work his plan with a lot of people? God uses a remnant of people sometimes. He, he does a great work through a small amount of people. If God is in it, somebody finish that. Little as much if, if God is in it, right? That, that's, that's so neat to watch the Lord. So just read verses 2 through 5. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel. Here, this is interesting. Elijah and Israelite pleading against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left. How many knows that sometimes you just feel like you're the only one, right? You're the only one trying to really live for the Lord, the only one, uh, and, and you're just abandoned. Uh, but that's not true, and Elijah found that out. And he said, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response, what does uh, God say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men. Now that number sounds pretty significant, but in light of all of Israel, it is a remnant. It is a small amount of people. So I've reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed their knee to Baal, even so then, at this present time, there is a what? There's a remnant. That's a key word. There is a remnant according to the election of grace. God's grace. What does God's grace do? God's grace gives favor to those who don't deserve it. But he's saying, by grace, there is still 7,000 people, Elijah, that are serving me. So God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew, is what it says. And at this present time, there's a remnant. So that's good news that Paul is saying, hey, don't give up. Who's he speaking to here? He's speaking to Jews who are Christians who are living in Rome or that uh, general area of uh, the, the world and he's telling them that God still is working with Israel but not like he will do in the future not as a whole uh, there's a substantial remnant uh, and God is working with that during Paul's time 
just like he did during Elijah's time. God always seems to use a remnant. Just a little side note, I wonder if Paul might have felt a special kinship with Elijah. And I say that because Elijah was persecuted by his own people, and Paul really is as well. His situation flip-flops. He's persecuting the, the Christians, and then uh, when he gets converted over to the Lord, now the Israelites are persecuting him. The idea of this remnant. Many times God works through a small group of people. That's good news, isn't it? I think it is. We're not a big group of people, but that does, hasn't stopped God from doing great things through a small group of people. Uh, and that's always uh, good news as we look at that. God can do big things through a small group of people. All right, let's read verses 6 through 10. This is going to kind of show us that it's God's right, it is God's sovereignty for him to choose a remnant of people. He doesn't, he's God. He doesn't have to work with all of Israel, and he doesn't have to work with all of the Gentiles. He can work through a remnant. He is God. He's sovereign. He has the plan, and God's plan works out. And if by grace, we're reading verses 6 through 10, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if, if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. What's Paul saying here? He's saying work and grace don't equate to each other. They're polar opposites of each other. You cannot earn God's grace. It goes against the definition of God's grace if you're able to earn it. You cannot work hard enough to earn God's favor. He gives it to us because of his grace. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Now we know that the enemy tries to blind those who are sinners from coming to the gospel. But here, God has momentarily or temporarily blinded Israel, not every person in Israel, but Israel as a whole or as a, a nation. Uh, he's temporarily blinded them so that the Gentiles will come into the kingdom. So just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor. Wow. When I say a spirit of stupor, what does that make you think of? Slumber? Yeah. It's the same, it's the same thought. Well, stupor is they're out of their mind. They're not totally conscious, not clicking. I don't know how else to say it other than that. They're partially asleep. They're uh, maybe in the case of being drunk, they're inebriated and not totally in their right mind. Uh, but if you if you get drunk, let's just say it this way, you're going to get sleepy too eventually. So God has given them a spirit of stupor. 
And he goes on to explain a little bit about that. Eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear. So the same gospel message is being preached. God is still moving. God is still working his plan, but they're not getting it as a whole. We already said that God's using a remnant, but as a whole, they're not seeing it and they're not hearing it and they're not certainly not responding to this good news of the gospel and of that their Messiah has already come. That they should not hear to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down uh, their backs. Paul goes into this description here of grace and works. And really all you need to understand is that they're not compatible. They're not the same as each other. By the way, you can find quotation within this passage where it talks about uh, them having a spirit of stupor, eyes that don't see and ears that don't hear. You can find that in both Isaiah 29, chapter 29, and in Psalms chapter 69. We're not going to go there, but you can find a very uh, similar passage in those chapters. So one of the commentaries said that the spirit of stupor was an attitude of deadness towards spiritual things. Imagine that. Israel, who is God's chosen people, God's used them in his plan, call them his own, but now there's this stupor or this deadness towards spiritual things. They're comfortable. How many knows that we can get comfortable in our state, whether it is in line with God or not in line with God. We have we have a tendency as humans to get comfortable where we're at, even when we're not in alignment with God. We're able to get into this thing of feeling like, well, it's all okay. I'm comfortable. God still loves me, uh, even though we're far from God. And that's what where Israel found themselves, secure in being God's chosen people. So secure that that was their problem. They were, ah, we're good. We're God's people. And I wonder sometimes, can we get in a situation like that? Ah, God loves me. God knows me. I'm a Christian. But yet maybe we're not really following after God wholeheartedly. I don't know. How many of you are fasting or, 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 or doing going through this process? Hopefully uh, some are and many are. One of the reasons why we fast and pray, because fasting is just a diet by itself, right? One of the reasons why we fast and pray is to be awakened spiritually and not be like Israel who was dead towards spiritual things. That's one thing that fasting does. It awakens us spiritually to be in tune with God. Don't blame me. I don't know why God says we need to fast and pray, but he does, and there's benefits to that. My body doesn't like it any more than yours does. Uh, but it is one of those spiritual principles that 
if you want to draw closer to the Lord, it is within God's plan. It's part of his plan uh, of fasting and prayer. I don't think I read the last part of verse 11 there. Uh, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? What's Paul trying to say here? Has Israel gone so far in backing away from God and then not accepting God's plan that there's no recovery? If you stumble, that means that you didn't completely fall. Uh, so that's interesting how Paul is stating this. Good news for us, too. Even when we stumble, there is an opportunity to recover, right? Uh, whenever we stumble in our, in our spiritual walk. I, I'm so thankful for that because I don't go too many days without feeling like I've stumbled, but yet maybe not fallen all the way out, right? Uh, not maybe, but not fallen all the way out. Uh, so it's important to... Uh, to know that, that's that's some, some good news. That you can stumble, but recover. Not because of anything good that you've done. We'll find this out, but because of God's grace. Uh, we're, not, we're not setting out to stumble. We're not setting out to fall. If we do, God, by His grace, will help us to recover from that. Here, in, we're going to read the last part of verse 11, second half of it, all the way through verse 14. We're going to find out that even though Israel has rejected God, and God for a time has allowed them to be blinded and to uh, walk away from him, so to speak, that God still has a specific purpose for Israel. And, and again, that's applicable to us. Even when we reject God's plan, even when we, I would say, walk away from God, so to speak, that God still, if we'll come back to Him and we'll uh, come in his, uh, and receive His grace, that God uh, still has a purpose and a plan for us. People who don't have a purpose are very, it's the facts. You see, we think that we don't want any responsibilities. We think that we just want to do whatever we want to do. But the truth of it is, is that without a purpose, we are very miserable as a people. It's just the way God designed us because he designed us with gifts and traits and abilities and characteristics and giftings that when we're putting them into use, we're more fulfilled. We're, uh, can I say it this way? We're uh, aligning with our the way we cr were created. We're created in God's image and his likeness. And God works. Jesus said that about his father. He said, the father works and so do I. In other words, I've got a purpose and a plan. And uh, you know I preach that all the time. God wants to use you. God has a purpose and a plan for you, uh, and that's important for us to understand. All right, so let's read these verses. I say then, have has Israel, or have they stumbled that they should fall? And the answer, again, is certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, 
Salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. This is Paul speaking. I magnify my ministry if by any means, I want you to get this. It's so important. Paul's attitude, Paul's desire, his zealousness is coming out in this statement. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. Paul's saying, I don't care what it takes. I'll do what is necessary and I hope that what I do will cause Israel to want to turn back to God and almost jealous because of what God is doing through the Gentiles. Tells us something about Paul's nature and his desire. Even though Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles, he still loved his people, right? He still loved the Jews and he wanted to see them. Uh, he did keep trying to go to the Jews. And they weren't accepting of it. You know, we can kind of understand that. Uh, and that Paul was this zealous Jew. And he's persecuting the Christians. And all of a sudden, there's an about face. And they're like, eh, can we trust this guy? We don't know. The Jews were saying that. So Paul is saying, certainly not. God does have a plan for Israel. And that it's actually through their stumbling, their falling, uh, that the gospel went to the Gentiles after the Jews had rejected it. It wasn't the Jewish rejection of Jesus that caused the Gentiles to be saved, but it was their rejection of God's plan that made an opportunity for the Gentiles. It wasn't that they had to reject Jesus and God's plan and God's gospel in order for the Gentiles, but it made opportunity. How did it make opportunity? Israel rejected it. God has an apostle that he's now appointed to the Gentiles because Israel has rejected it. Now Paul isn't so focused on Israel that he can't minister to the Gentiles. So he is able now to focus and do what God's called him to do, which is to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Even though he has a love for his people, that's not what God called him to do in his design for Paul and in his ministry, his calling. Paul wants to make them jealous, to motivate them to receive what the Gentiles are receiving, to make them envious. There's a problem here. Are the Gentiles making the Jews jealous and envious? That's what Paul's going to talk about next. Are we so, and I say we because we're Gentiles, and I know there was, it was Paul's day, but yet we can relate to it now and we can ask ourselves this question. Are we living so sold out to the Lord and so walking in his plan and walking uh, in our calling and walking uh, so much in the spirit that the Jewish people go, oh, we missed it. We should, not many, 
We're not walking as a whole, as Gentiles, in that fullness of what God has called us to walk into. There's kind of a problem there. Let's read uh, verses 15 through 21. We'll actually wrap up with these uh, verses. We'll go through verse 21 and next week start with verse 22. I believe that. Yes, that is correct. For if there, if there, being cast away, the Jews being cast away, is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? So now Paul switched his thought to say, Israel rejected, the Jews had their opportunity, but now what if the Jews do recognize him as the Savior and the Messiah, and they come back, then God's whole, you see God has a whole plan. A whole plan of redemption. Not just one that only deals with the Jews, not just one that only deals with the Gentiles, but a whole plan for all of mankind. The gospel's good news. The angel says good news for all mankind. Uh, when Jesus was born, that's what the, the angel said. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So Paul's going back and forth here talking about Gentiles and Jews, Gentiles and Jews. If, if this is holy, then that's holy. And if Israel was holy, then God's, uh, uh, the Christians are holy, right? So he's jumping back and forth. If some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree, who's, he, who's the wild olive tree? The Gentiles. If some of the branches were broken off, what branches were broken off? Israel, right? Some of, not all as a whole, but some, it says. If they were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. What's Paul saying here? Hey, Gentiles, just because God uh, chose to go to you after Israel rejected, don't get the big head about it. There were people who's, who were uh, saying, oh, God's totally given up. That's why Paul is saying, has God given up totally on Israel? Absolutely not. But there were people who thought, oh, Israel lost it out. They're no longer are they God's people. No longer does God have a plan for them. But that was not the truth. As a matter of fact, so much to the point that Paul begins to describe, you may ever see a tree that's had a branch grafted into it? I've seen a few. Interestingly, unless you look really close, you probably can't tell. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off and I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off. Notice what Israel's sin was. Unbelief. People cannot be saved if they do not believe. I, I can kind of blow your mind here. I know the Bible talks about an unpardonable sin. Unbelief, if you don't come out of unbelief, you will not know the Lord, ever. I'm not saying that's the unpardonable sin, but what I'm saying is unbelief is extremely deadly and it's important for us uh, to know that we must believe. 
What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth or believeth. Uh, so it's, it's important. So branches were broken off and I might be grafted in. Uh, well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty. Don't be proud. Don't be boastful. But fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he's talking about Israel there, he may not spare you either. So it's important for us to understand while we are Christians and we're God's chosen people, the Bible says that, we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, but we don't need to be proud and haughty and against Israel. I mean, that a lot of Christians are make the mistake of being against Israel. That's that's a bad mistake. We, we don't want to be against Israel because those who are friends of Israel, God blesses. Uh, and, and we don't ever want to speak against Israel. Is Israel perfect? No, absolutely not. Paul's saying that right here. But they're still God's chosen people. So some of those branches uh, were broken off and grafted into a wild olive tree. So here is Paul's illustration. It is a word picture, a picture of trees and branches. And Paul is reminding Gentile Christians that it's only by God's grace that they can be grafted into the tree of God. So it's through God's grace that we can be grafted in to God's tree. So don't boast against the, against the branches. You're not the root. You're not the only thing that God is using. Uh, you're not superior to the Jews, is what that's saying. So the Jews were lost because of unbelief. They were broken off. In the same way, the Gentiles don't believe, then they'll be broken off as well. There's an interesting passage in, Melissa did it in the women's conference. John 15, yes, John 15. It talks about the branches and the vine and all of that. Uh, this lines up with that chapter there uh, in John. And that, where do we have to be connected? We've got to make sure we're connected to the Lord. But what disconnects us from the vine, which is the Lord, or from the tree, which is God's tree here, is unbelief. That will separate us from God. We'll look at these questions. Then. So, according to verse 1, how does Paul answer his own question? Has God rejected his people? God Certainly forbid. not. King James says, God forbid. Question 2, again, according to verse 1. What is Paul's first piece of evidence that God has not cast away all of Israel? Himself, that's right. He said, hey, God's still using me, so he hasn't gotten rid of all of Israel. Question 3. What is the second piece of evidence that God has not totally cast away Israel? Still a remnant. That's right. There's still a remnant. 
Question four, verse eight, according to verse eight, what kind of spirit has God given to Israel? Stupor or slumber, uh, whatever it is there that your that particular version uh, speaks about or talks about. Question five, what does that word stupor mean? Dead towards spiritual things, that's right, exactly. All right, according to verse 14, what is Paul's purpose in magnifying his ministry? Promote Israel to jealousy, to turn them back to God. Exactly. Exactly. Question seven. In the illustration about the tree and the branches, who is the wild olive tree? The Gentiles. The Gentile Christians, I should really specify that. 